This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. What kind of impact would the supply chain problems we are seeing and hearing about have on the upcoming holiday season? There are obviously concerns by some of the potential lack of product on the shelves, which could mean potentially even greater reliance on e-commerce. Santiago Galino is Associate Professor of Operations, Information, and Decisions at the Wharton School, uh, and he joins us to take a look at this. Santiago, great to talk to you again. Hi, Dan. Thank you very much for having me again. Thank you. So give us your thoughts on where we kind of stand with the, the supply chain issues. Uh, how concerning should it be for retailers coming up for the holiday season? Well, I think that these, uh, this coming holiday season is going to be uh, challenging both for retailers and ultimately for, for us, the customers. I think uh, there are a number of tensions building up all the way from the manufacturers to the delivery point in the customers' homes. I think the the news are uh, reporting daily uh, different disruptions that are happening in, in the supply chain. We've read the news on the what's happening in, in the port in, in LA, and this is not just one issue, there's a number of issues that Almost everywhere you look, there, there are tensions building up as a consequence of what happened with COVID and, and shortage of, of, of parts, uh, inflation. So I think it's, it's going to be interesting for retailers to navigate this holiday season and for us, the customers, to be able to find what is on the, on, on the shopping list. So part, let's take this into a few different pieces here because... Let's start with the production of a lot of these products, which would be overseas in other countries, and the concern of really of, of the rise of COVID cases we saw in recent months in some of these countries, uh, which in turn would have an impact on the factories in those countries in terms of just producing some of these products in the first place. Yes, yes, and that that's something that is similar to to what we've seen at the beginning of the pandemic and. Uh, my my guess is that similar to what happened then, that is uh, that is something that the companies will be able to navigate and react. But then that is not solving the issue because now the the problem is moved one step further in the supply chain. And so you can see uh, some of these companies that maybe have building up inventory um, and preparing for for these potential issues but then you need to get the product into the into the supply chain and that is that is a really really tricky especially because for 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 us it can be that the holidays are like two months away there's plenty of time but in in supply chain times this is this is like extremely short time and it's not easy to catch up then there's the shipping piece to this which you alluded to uh, with the port of Los Angeles. And the fact that you have mm-hmm. so many boats that are sitting out there uh, waiting to try and get into port, uh, it's its one thing to get those ships into the port in the first place. It's another thing to try and unload it, which is another side to this, which is the labor issue. Yes, indeed. And and, and it's interesting because you read the news, they're, they're reporting that there are 13 days uh, that some of these ships are waiting when the usual wait time for these ships was like zero. 
And then if you start to look at the, how busy the ports are, they were operating at 60% capacity, now they are north of 90. And so all this is uh, signaling that the supply chain is being stressed. And when you're stressed, things are not so uh, easy to run. And the, the, the smooth operation you have uh, on normal times now is, is, is get tricky. Some solutions have been attempted, like going to alternate ports and uh, expanding capacity in a rush. And those are reasonable attempts. But as we all know, there's a reason why there's a main port where everyone wants to go. You start to open alternatives. The alternative will do something. But, uh, but, but it's, it's less than ideal. There is a reason why those are the second or third options that some people would like to use in regular times. When the announcement was made that the Biden administration had uh, brokered some sort of a deal with the Port of Los Angeles to try and keep those uh, operations running 24 hours a day, at least through the holidays, what was your thoughts? I mean, that from the outside looks like it's a positive move, but the question is still being able to get a lot of this activity done and completed. Indeed. I I think that that is uh, great news in the sense that that signals that the administration is aware that this is a serious issue that is not going to be solved with, with some minor adjustments. Uh, but like I was mentioning before, many of these uh, actions will mitigate to some extent the problem, but uh, it, it's it, it's at a scale that is not easy to adjust. And like you point out, like these uh, labor shortages are also uh, affecting how uh, easy it will be for the port to, to adjust in terms of a 24-hour operation or other secondary ports that will need to ramp up uh, their capacity as well. Uh, I think it's an interesting, uh, an interesting situation and, and challenging one to, to be able to increase capacity, again, with a very short lead time towards, towards the holidays. We're joined by Santiago Galino, Associate Professor of Operations, Information, and Decisions at, at the Wharton School. Uh, the question of, uh, of ports, I think, in general is something that I, I wanted to breach with you as well. Uh, we've heard this conversation, obviously, in the scope of, of Los Angeles. There are other ports uh, that uh, you know, are all around our, our, our coast at this point. How much availability could be in those locations to be able to try and lessen what the Port of Los Angeles is dealing with? Yes, so I think the, the, the challenge there is not only the availability of the port itself, but also moving from the manufacturing to the port. And now maybe you are able to put the container on the shore, but now you need to move that container. And you need yeah. to think how the trucks are going to get there, the trains are going to get there, to what distribution centers they will bring the stuff. And that's why I think that here is, if you want, like a perfect case for us to, to, to rethink and teach about the whole supply chain, because you might be addressing one step, uh, and, and fine, you solve that one, but now you have all the containers sitting in the port that doesn't have the capacity or, or, or the resources to find the truck drivers and the locations where to bring those items, because that's not how the regular operation functions. So you bring up something that I wanted to touch on with you anyway. And, and during this time of the pandemic, one of the, the themes that we have come across, Santiago, is how businesses themselves 
have had to pivot to be able to keep open and and keep operations flowing to some degree. Uh, I'm wondering if you're talking about here to a degree, a little bit of a pivot by the supply chain in general. Yes, indeed. And and I think that one one interesting thing that is happening is that this has been a disruption that has been going on for now several months. Uh, and, and, and if you think about COVID overall, we're, we're way into uh, more than a year of, of these disruptions. And I think many companies have now started to think carefully about this tension that you have when you think about the efficiency of the supply chain versus the resilience that you want to have in your supply chain. I think in regular times, it's easy to start to think how you can make your supply chain more efficient, see, sorry, more efficient, with just cost, think about to find the, 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 the manufacturer that will provide you with the lowest possible cost to get your product, lower your prices, be competitive, and that's all great. But many times when you make decisions with a laser focus on efficiency, you might be missing on resilience. And I think that nowadays uh, the companies have discovered that if there's one shock that lasts a relatively short time, you can manage and take the pain and that's it. But when this has been going on for several months, now the, the issue of thinking very carefully about how you can be more resilient yeah. in the months to come, but more importantly, I would argue going forward, is, is an interesting conversation. And that's why many, many companies are thinking about reshoring their manufacturing, rethinking of the supply chain once the product gets into the country and where they locate this product in different warehouses, how they have the network of trucks moving things around. Because, again, it's one thing to think only about efficiency and uh, not putting any focus on resilience. And I think now, hopefully, we're getting to a more healthy balance going forward. Well, the the other thing which uh, I wanted to bring up to you as well, and it's something that uh, we really haven't had to talk a lot about in a couple of decades, is the impact of inflation on all of this. Uh, when you think about the cost mm-hmm. of shipping and then the fuel and, and so many other components, the, the levels of inflation that we're seeing right now are adding to the, uh, to the cost of so many pieces to the supply chain operation at this point. Yes, I, I, I think that that's, that that's another piece of this uh, puzzle of the problem we're facing because if you think about the, the shopping list for the holiday season is one thing, but going forward, one very natural way to protect as a customer from inflation is to stock up. And that also creates disruption in the supply chain. If customers start to change their behavior because they want to buy ahead because they assume that things might be more expensive uh, the next time they try to buy it, that is also feeding this uh, uncertainty, changing behavior, and stress in the supply chain, which Again, to your point, is 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 also another component of what we're seeing happening today. So there's really not, we're not in a situation here where, if you're able to correct one piece to the puzzle, that the others will fall in line. There are so many different things impacting all of these different segments of the uh, supply chain operation that it, it it is it's literally a, a uh, one of the greatest challenges that supply chains have ever faced i i i agree and i mean even more i i speaking with a number of retailers and the one thing that they 
share again and again is the challenge that they are having to hire people that they need to run the operation. So you think that, okay, once we yeah. get things to the store, the problem is solved. Well, not so fast. They are, they are telling me again and again that one, one of the main, if not the main problem they have today is we need people to run the stores and to operate the warehouses, and we cannot find them. And again, I, I'm optimistic. I think that these problems are going to be solved. If we think of the, of, of the holiday season as a target, I think that that's going to be hard. We're going to see these issues yeah. going beyond that. But again, I think that business uh, are, are, are reacting to this and starting to rethink how they address supply chain issues, the hiring issues, how they think about the, 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 the uncertainty that the demand is, is showing. And, and they are going to be able to react, but probably not in the next month, month and a half. So much of this was impacted because of the start of the coronavirus. Could any of it be eased up, you know, as we get a better handle on the virus and we're able to get, you know, back, you know, get the hiring numbers back and and, and obviously get more of a kind of the normal operations that we're used to? I, I think so. And, and that is what many, many of these retailers I talked to are, are hoping that, uh, some of the incentives that were in place uh, as an exception during the during the peak of COVID start to ease out consumers and also employees are more comfortable to go back to a regular uh, regular uh, operation and regular way of working and doing things. See uh, a, a trend that goes back to normality. But this is like a, 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 a fluctuation that is going to ease over time but we're still seeing those up and down. So the hope is that if we if we keep in that uh, healthy trend, we should be seeing some of these factors that are affecting uh, getting sold. Some of them can be adjusted in question weeks, others months. Uh, the more serious yeah. ones, I think we will see this way into uh, the next year. And, and I've heard estimates, Santiago, that we could be looking at not only next year, but you know, maybe to to be able to get to where we need to be in terms of the overall operation of the supply chain, we could be looking at the beginning of early 2023 at this point. Yes, that, 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 will, that could very well be the case, especially when you think about the more complex uh, supply chains. I think we, we all heard about what's happening in the auto industry. If you try to buy a car in the last couple of months, you probably experienced that yourself. At the same time, I think that there is a little bit of a learning going on. Like customers are nowadays more willing to switch brands to change the products they are, they are, they are, they are hoping to buy for for the one that is available right away. And those uh, small decisions start to ease the problem. But I, I I think that definitely when you start to look at those supply chains that are more uh, sophisticated, sophisticated in the sense like players and parts and the, those are, are, are the ones that are going to take more time to, to adjust and stabilize. Great to have you with us, Santiago. Thanks very much for giving us a few moments. All the best to you, sir. My pleasure. Thank you very much, Dan. Thank you. Santiago Galino, Associate Professor of Operations, Information, and Decisions at the Wharton School. To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.